Welcome to episode 28 of the Mildly Athletic Podcast. Today, Kelly and I are going to break down the Masters. We're going to talk about some baseball and finish up with some NFL predictions. Once again, this is the Mildly Athletic Podcast. Alrighty, so I think the biggest storyline from this weekend, at least in in my perspective, was uh, the the Masters. Obviously, one of the most famous golf tournaments in the world. And we, uh, had a actually pretty interesting final round. It went really, really back and forth. And, uh, it ended with Hideki Matsuyama, uh, uh, putting on the green jacket, uh, first, uh, gentleman, uh, to win, uh, masters from Japan, which is really, really cool. He played really, really well, had kind of an up and down final round though, uh, but played really, really well over the four days for sure. Yeah, absolutely. When he was going into the final day, I up four, um, it, it seemed pretty good, you know, just play some par golf and take home the win. It ended up getting a little bit more interesting than I thought it was going to be, uh, in that final round. But, um, I just, I had an absolute blast watch. I watched the majority of this tournament. This is probably the tournament that I watched the most of, um, so far, and as far as it sounds like uh, from Mello, this was the tournament to watch, you know, so um, yes. I'm glad that I got to check out the whole thing. My favorite part about Hideki winning is uh, at the end, just the respect shown and everything like that uh, from yep. him and his caddy as well. When uh, his caddy walked over, put the flag back in and turned and bowed mm-hmm. to the course. Uh, it was, it was, it was really cool. It was extremely awesome to be able to witness, uh, you know, the first Japanese player to ever bring home the win. Yeah. I mean, he, he played really well. If you would have told me at the start of the day that, uh, Matsuyama would shoot 73 over par or 73 and he would still win. I would have said, no way can you win a major and shoot over par in the, uh, in the, in the final round. That just doesn't happen. Maybe if you're at, the the open championship that that happens but you know he he grinded and um i was you know obviously on the back nine he had uh let's see four bogeys on the back nine uh that's crazy to think about if you're gonna bogey you know four holes on the back you're not gonna win a major championship but you know i i hate to say it but you know shoffley you know uh kind of gave it away with stinking it in the water on uh 16 there and that's such a hard hole hard hole to play judge the wind you know um, and making, uh, making a triple bogey there that just kind of knocked him out of it. Um, I, I think the biggest moment from Hideki's round that I saw was I've been watching the masters probably for, for over 15 years. And that was the first time I can remember that the leader went over the back of the green on 15 and into the water. I have almost never seen that. And that was, that was crazy to me to take that huge risk. I mean, at that point, I think he had a, three shot lead. I mean, you've got to, you've got to lay up and uh, you got to lay up and get, guarantee your birdie. Cause that guarantees the win there. So that was really, really interesting. Um, made it, made it a great, interesting final round. Um, also uh, Jordan Spieth was kind of around there and contending he had a couple bogeys on the back or on the front nine um, at one, five and six. And that, that kind of kept him out of it, but he made a little run birdieing uh, 13 and 14 in 17 and then obviously his bogey on 18 but um but still really great showing for him after you know winning last week from at the valero texas open for sure yeah from last week you know he he was my pick to win for him to come out fourth you know it's a it's a pretty good weekend of golf still and uh i will say though going into this tournament as a newer golf fan uh jordan spieth was my favorite but after this weekend, uh, Will Zell Torres, yeah, hands down, he's he's my guy now, favorite, absolutely. Yeah, what what a guy! And so he's not even fully exempt on the PGA Tour, which is crazy to think about that he was able to finish, you know, second in this tournament and get an invite back to next year's Masters. And you know, it's it, it, it's great to see that he was able to go out there and, you know, just swing it and have a good time. Uh, and, you know, playing in his first masters, he was, he wasn't nervous. And I'll tell you, I've from, from what I've heard from playing that course is incredibly nerve wracking the first time you go around there. And, you know, that's why the practice rounds are so incredibly important for these younger guys to get out there and learn the course so they can, you know, on Thursday, Friday, 
and Saturday and Sunday, just go out there and swing. You know, he had a um, re- really good 70, 68, 71, 70. Those are really good, great scores in cash 1.2 million. Uh, yeah. From listening the, in this weekend. Uh, oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. From listening in no, this weekend. And I wanted to get your opinion on it because um, I'm just unsure still, but is this course uh, at the masters, is it more um, up and down? Is it more, hilly i guess would be really, good, like yeah it's yeah a lot of elevation changes and you you go look at like you know for instance the best example is you know really i mean you can pick really any hole uh 10 is a, is a great one that you can kind of see it goes straight downhill and then you're hitting on from a downhill lie to an uphill uh green and you know that those greens are so slopey same kind of same way on nine too um and then if you look at uh, two, you know, completely, uh, completely downhill from the tee box. And so a lot of elevation change, you have to be able to flight your ball. And with those trees being so tall and what, what makes Augusta National very difficult is the wind. The wind always kind of swirls through those, those trees. So because the players hit the ball so high, you never know exactly what the wind's going to be doing, which is why you have to trust what you feel. And a lot of players have trouble with that because they'll look on you know some hospitality tent way off off the green and they'll say well the wind's blowing from left to right and then they hit their shot and the wind's blowing right to left actually just because of Mm. where the wind and in those trees so it's an incredibly difficult course it's on the bucket list of golf courses that i will never play um, because it's so exclusive and so impossible to uh get into but um uh, absolutely amazing course beautiful con- conditions all all week uh there was a little bit of a rain delay i think on saturday but uh that they they got it in they got it well um no covid scares or anything like that which is which is always great um and over, overall it was a great tournament and you know next up the next real major uh is in in may uh, next month so uh at i don't know pga championship this year i don't know where it's at actually come to think of it I shall do some research. Well, Kiowa, of course. That's that's a fun golf course right there, right on the ocean in South Carolina. Uh, that if if you think wind was a factor uh, at, at any place, you you want to watch the PGA Championship this year because it's right on the ocean and it's going to be blowing ten different ways. So, uh, really, really good overall tournament for sure. Moving along here, next we have another subject that I am extremely well versed in. We're going to talk some baseball. Yes. Baseball week two. Um, it was a f- great week of uh, baseball, a little bit of controversy. I don't know if you saw, but so uh, actually Phillies... doing, yeah, go ahead. As I was preparing for uh, today's episode, I'm not sure if this will go well or not. Um, I promise it was not just a, a lack of preparation, but this was purposeful on my part. Once again, not sure if this is going to go as great as I think it would, but I would like you to try to explain to me the controversy and see uh, if I could guess what happened or give my take on it as completely unbiased, if that's possible. I, I have not looked up this controversy. I did not watch the games. The only indication I have towards this is that you told me that there was a controversial call. Um, yes. So I would like you to try to explain it to me. Okay. And so then I'll try to give I, a I try completely doing so, inaccurate opinion. Sunday night baseball. And you really need to see video evidence of it because it, I mean, I've just, I've baffled. So about three years ago, Oh, maybe it was a little bit more than that. Five years ago, they introduced instant replay in the Major League Baseball, where each team could have, you know, one challenge, uh, and they can challenge a call to see if the umpire got it wrong. So they they introduced this kind of controversial, you know, only works, you know, half the time, I would say. But uh, Sunday Night Baseball, Phillies, Braves, you know, in into the extra innings they go, and Basically, a Phillies player tags up to go home, never actually, the throw comes in from the outfield, never actually touches home plate. And the umpires called him safe. Now, they went to video review, and it clearly shows the player never touched home plate. And Major League Baseball, who the umpires talk to, you know, there's a central command, just kind of like there is for NFL replay and uh, NBA replay. There's a central command, a group of umpires watching all the games so they can all make a decision. And basically they upheld that he was safe, even though he didn't touch home plate. So there's your controversy. It's, 
it launched a big deal in Major League Baseball because people were like, what's the point of having instant replay? How close was he to being tagged out or anything? Is it oh, he something- was tagged out. Oh, he was yes. tagged out. Okay. Yes. So they upheld the call that he scored the point? Yes, he scored the run. Okay, so then he, I, so I he really need to see video evidence. He didn't so touch I'm the gonna, plate. He did not he touch, didn't the, touch plate, the plate, and no. then he was tagged out. But they called him safe as if he first touched yes. the plate. Yeah, yes. sounds a little. Yeah, I'm I more than know. happy I'll, to. I'm gonna. I feel I'm gonna like, send you a yeah, video send, right now. Send it to me, and I will. I will definitely watch it. Um, to to me, it seems like a lot of the times, same with the NFL, same with the NBA. What's mm-hmm. called on the field does end up being upheld because even though they have these checks and balances in place for the refs, they don't like mm-hmm. like upper, you know, front office people, upper office doesn't like to make the refs look bad for making the call. But I think yes. when you do that, it makes the it makes your entire league look bad when that happens because the whole point of having things put into place and things like the uh, MLB, the NFL, the NBA is to have those checks and balances. It, it doesn't make sense to me ever. I agree with you when those types of calls happen. They're like, oh, well, this is the way it was called on the field. So we're just going to leave it. Well, then why do we have instant replay in the first place? Exactly. Exactly. What's the point of instant replay if you're not going to A, use it effectively and B, you know, rely on it when it, when it matters the most. So other than that, it's been an interesting baseball. Philly's, you know, sitting on the top of, uh, the NL East uh, at six and three. So obviously they benefited from it. Um, but the team with the best record in baseball right now is, well, the top two teams really with the best record in baseball, not counting the San Diego Padres because I don't count them. Uh, the LA Dodgers and the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Yo, let's uh, go. Let's go. Yeah. Me and you, we let's got go. this. It's, we got this. <laughs> Good thing John's not on the pod again. <laughs> Happy anniversary, John and Ellen. Uh, hopefully, oh, yes. hopefully you guys yes. are having a uh, fantastic wedding anniversary. That's why John's not with us on the pod, but he will be back next week. However, it or sounds so like his think. baseball team sucks, and me and Mello were mm-hmm. right uh, as yes. per, per usual. Per usual. Just an update <laughs> on the Chicago White Sox, who he picked. They're sitting at 5-5, five and five, uh, sitting at 500. So, oh, you know, not terrible. a good start from them. I mean, baseball season in, in a nutshell, though, is just – incredibly stupid long uh i think that is one thing we can all agree with you know i think it's 162 games that they play a year do you think that that has something to do with these types of calls that are made and different things like it's less pressure because the refs look at it or people look at it and they're like okay well whatever it's the regular season there's a bajillion games like is this really going to matter in the long run type of thing like i'm just wondering with the nfl when uh bad calls happen like that it's it's like a huge deal because if it's a regular season game it's very much yeah it's of almost equal importance to a playoff game to a certain extent just because there are only 16 well 17 now games so when you have a bad call that costs Mm -hmm. the game it's terrible, but in baseball and even in basketball too, when there's a bad call that costs the game, it's like, okay. Like if they lose that one game, yeah. is it really going to matter? You know, it's not the playoffs. I, I've seen it. I mean, I've seen it be where, you know, maybe not for a division win, but for a wild card, absolutely. You know, it can come down to, you know, two or three games. And I mean, I personally, I don't think that this call is going to come and, you know, come back to haunt the Atlanta Braves and they're not going to make the playoffs. I think they're going to make the playoffs. They're a really good team. They'll probably make it as a wild card because that Phillies team is just too good. But, you know, I think in the, in the grand scheme of things, I think you're absolutely right. I think that, Hey, it's just another game where as in the NFL, really every call matters because you only get, you only got 16 games. Now you get 17 games and uh, it, it kind of goes from, goes from there is that, you know, you win one, it's great. I mean, but if a playoff team loses one, oh boy, you're in trouble. I mean, that could drastically affect seedings uh, in the, in the playoffs for sure. Yeah, just saw the play. Agree. Terrible call. Terrible call. Good. Yeah. Good. That that was uh that was the, that was the goal there. So, 
Uh, instant replay absolutely failed in uh, uh, Major League Baseball this weekend. However, uh, yesterday we had a big retirement, and we have the incredible opportunity to not talk about it with Langley uh, to see what his thoughts are. But um, Julian Edelman retired from the NFL. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it was it was very foreseeable. As soon as it got announced about, I think it was maybe two weeks ago, that it's looking like he's going to be out for at least two years because uh, of a injury last season. It's kind of like, yeah, okay, like this is going to happen. You know, he doesn't have his same team anymore. Well, not his same team, but his, his boy Tom Brady anymore. Yeah. You know, he's had a good run and everything. So I, def- I, I definitely saw it coming along with just about anybody else who watches uh, or – you know, follows the NFL, but ultimately, yeah, I think, I think it's a blow to the Patriots. Obviously Uh, he's, he's been a huge stud. I think that this really changes up the way that they draft. I think that they're absolutely, they probably were in the first place because they needed more depth, but now they need it even more for wide receiver. Uh, They need to get cam some weapons and losing Edelman, huge blow. Uh, but the storyline that I'm finding the most interesting is will Julian Edelman be in the hall of fame? We threw this up on our Instagram story as well. And right now, yes, is leading tremendously. Like we have the majority of people saying, yes, absolutely. Julian Edelman should be in the hall of fame. Let's see for sure. Yeah. Is up to 88% and no way is at 12% on our Instagram poll right now. So Mel, how do you feel about the situation? I assume that you agree he should be in the hall of fame. So up until yesterday, I would have, and I, I, I got a received a phone call from Langley after I told him that, uh, told him my stance is that uh, I, I was a hard no, no way Julian Edelman should be in the Hall of Fame. But, you know, I, I looked back and there's another player that I believe should be in the Hall of Fame that if he should be in the Hall of Fame, Julian Edelman should be in the Hall of Fame. And that other player is Eli Manning, who only has two Super Bowl rings, whereas Julian Edelman has three uh, three Super Bowl rings that played in one of the greatest game, Super Bowls uh, that I've lived um, yeah and that the was, greatest super bowl uh, comeback yeah greatest super bowl ever. comeback for sure yeah uh i was so pissed it was against i mean i i can't even talk about that game but you know it yes he is he should be in the hall of fame for sure and i think he i don't think he will though and if he does it will be on one of those last ballots that he can get in yeah i think it'll be about 20 years from now yeah yeah, he's he's definitely not going to be a first ballot. I don't think that he should yeah. be. But I think as a wide receiver, to get uh, to have three Super Bowl wins and a Super Bowl MVP, your other mm-hmm. stats, yeah, they might not line up. I've seen so many like, oh, well, if he's going to be in the Hall of Fame, that means that Jordy Nelson, because their stats yeah. line, it's like mm-hmm. Jordy Nelson doesn't have uh, Super Bowl wins like he does and a Super Bowl MVP. No. Like, he is yeah. one of the few – non quarterbacks to win a Super Bowl MVP. Like that is a that is yeah very sure. impressive. You know, like so yeah, I, I'm glad that you came around. I definitely thought that we were gonna get into it a little bit. Oh you know? yes. but well it, it is fun to agree still. So uh yeah. I, I agree as well. I think Julian Edelman should be in the Hall of Fame. Um and yeah. um I heard some people talking about well should the number uh number eleven be retired for the Patriots to that, I would say, no, no, no. Oh, I heck no, no. He does. He doesn't deserve of a Jersey retirement. I think the number 12 should never be worn in uh, Patriots history again. Yeah. But um, it, you can't look at it that way. The yeah. only other thing that I did want to say about this though, too, is um, if you are one of the people who is a Tom Brady hater, like I have been in the past, I still struggle with, um, and you're also now saying that Julian Edelman uh, shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. You're definitely uh, being a little hypocritical to yourself, and yeah. obviously, you're just a Patriots hater. Hater. If mm-hmm. you don't, if you think that Tom Brady's 
numbers are padded and he's a system quarterback and all these things, all these excuses that everybody always makes for Tom Brady about why he's not that great and this and that. But then you're also going to turn around and say, well, no, I don't think that Julian Edelman should be in the Hall of Fame. You're just a Patriots hater because if you really believe that Tom Brady's not great, then you should absolutely hands down say, yes, Julian Edelman should be a Hall of Famer because according to your own logic, then he's he's part of what made Tom Brady great. So if it's yeah. not Tom Brady, it has to be Julian Edelman. I'm under the understanding that it's both. But for those people, I've, I've had a, a conversation with a couple people recently about this. And I just wanted to point that out publicly to say my piece about uh, this situation there. I have a question for you, kind of off topic. But if Tom Brady went to the Detroit Lions, you know, would you be a fan of him? Yeah, I wouldn't say I, – I, in the past, I've been a Tom Brady hater. The reason for that has been primarily because I'm a Michigan State fan. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady came from Michigan. He went to the Patriots. And then everybody in, in Michigan who's a Michigan fan is like, oh, the Patriots are the best. Tom Brady's the best. Tom Brady's the greatest, this and that. And it's just so annoying because it's like, okay, Tom Brady went to Michigan for like half a second. He got drafted like – in my opinion, Tom Brady is not a product of Michigan. Tom Brady is a product of New England. And yeah, but all the Michigan fans love to point out that like Michael Phelps came and swam at Michigan for a second too, but that doesn't mean that Michigan should get the prestige for all of his Olympic medals. Like it's, that's been my whole issue with it. I've been working on getting over that. I'm working on my bitterness towards Michigan and Michigan fans yep. as well, especially with doing the podcast. I don't want to look at any of the teams anymore and be like, I hate this team. I'm never going to like them. I'm going to say they're going to do terrible. I'm trying to more recently look at things in a more logical light instead of my mm-hmm. own fandom. So with that being said, I have grown accustomed to not necessarily rooting on Tom Brady, but I'm definitely no longer a Tom Brady hater. I do think yeah. that he is the greatest of all time, which I would have not said this time last year. Um, no, but I think what made Tom the greatest of all time was him coming down to Tampa and winning a Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm sure year. you do. <laughs> <laughs> but well, you know, yeah, I think uh, that if Tom Brady were to come to the Detroit Lions, I would definitely be a Tom Brady fan. I would probably have a, I would probably have a jersey, and mm-hmm. um, I think that it would be amazing for any franchise who were to get Tom Brady because I think that's what people failed with when looking at Tom Brady this last off season for teams yeah. who weren't interested or passed on him. You're not just getting Tom Brady. Look at what's happened in Tampa. Tom Brady came yep. and people flooded there. Yep. NFL players who are ring chasing flooded. That's why they won. Not necessarily because Tom Brady's in his prime and because Tom Brady is the, he is the goat, but if he wouldn't have, have had the flood of people come from him still though it's still on him because Tampa would have not gotten those people without him we really only got three players but now I mean, we're seeing it even more this year oh, but yes, also with Tom Brady with even being in the locker room it brings yeah. up the morale of everybody because he mm-hmm. is such a leader but also because everybody in that locker room had to look at it and say we have Tom Brady now we don't yeah. have Jameis Winston anymore we have a shot and just that that hope and that drive to those same yeah. players with Tom Brady in the locker room is what, what won them that Super Bowl and what drove that whole team is not Tom Brady's um, mm-hmm. goatness on the field, but the Tom Brady effect off the field of the morale yeah. boost in the locker room. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. All right. So continuing on with the NFL theme, we've got some, I want to say what predictions. For a couple things. Predictions, favorites. Yeah, sure. So, first one is breakout player uh, for the 2021 season. Who do you have? I struggle with this one a little bit. I I have two, but I'm going to stick with with my number one. The player that I feel most excited about and the best potential to break out this season is Cam Akers um, of the Rams. I I love Cam Akers. I think that he's being slept on some. I know that there's other studs, um, like obviously, you know, Clyde Edwards, a stud, 
Uh, but then we've got, you know, DeAndre Swift and all these mm-hmm. second year players who are coming in. And a lot of those rookies last season had really great seasons showing potential. I think mm-hmm. Cam Akers came later in the season when he started to yeah. bust into the seam. And I think that's just going to bulldoze in next season. I think that he is going to be the breakout player uh, next I, I think I think the whole entire Rams backfield right now with Daryl Henderson, who, for those of you who don't know, he went to Memphis. Uh, the only reason why I know that is because he was he terrorized UCF every single time we played him. Uh, and I think with him back there kind of as being a bigger back and Cam Akers there, I think that's just going to be a phenomenal backfield. And I think it's going to be really something special to see for sure. As far as my breakout player, I've got... This shouldn't come as, as a surprise to any anyone, but I kind of gave him a shout out at, uh, when Langley and I did our first episode, the season preview. Uh, he went to the University of Central Florida or UCF Knights, um, and that's Gabriel Davis, wide receiver for the Buffalo Bills. He made some incredible catches last year and in the playoffs. And, you know, they released John Brown. They did sign Emmanuel Sanders, but I think Gabe Davis is going to be that number two wide receiver in Buffalo and Josh Allen is going to find him a way to uh, get him the football. And I think he, he will be up there. He, I think he has the potential to be as good as, you know, Stefan Diggs, Deandre Hopkins, that type of level. I think if he grows and gets into that system and understands the playbook that they're running up there in Buffalo, uh, I think it will be a phenomenal season for him. And I, I honestly can't wait to see, what he does this year yeah that's a wild pick man i know like it's coming from a from somewhat of a space of fandom but still like that that is a bolder much bolder uh you know breakout prediction than what i brought to the table but i dig it that's a cool uh yeah i mean i've I've seen seen him play i've watched a lot of ucf games obviously when he was on the team and he just from the get-go and even you know in the draft workout he he was he worked out with brandon marshall uh who I don't think a lot of people know this, but Brandon Marshall went to UCF um, way back when, before it was even a, a thing uh, to go there. And so it's, I think it's just, he's going to grow and he's got a great, uh, what is this third year now for Josh Allen? Yeah. Fourth, Fourth year. Ooh, he's due for a contract extension. Eef, that's going to be fun for Buffalo to pay. Um, but you know, he's continuing to grow. So It'll be very, very interesting. Can't wait to see that. All right. Um, another big one, comeback player. Yeah, I want you to lead this one off because after that okay. great pick for uh, breakout player, you got a you got a deep sleeper there. I want to hear your pick for comeback. Well, mine's, I mean, mine's a kind of deep sleeper. You know, he, this player was, you know, talked about a lot. Um, former number one overall pick, you know, really, really good. I think that uh, comeback player is going to be uh, Joe Burrow. Oh, yeah. Right. You know, coming off that ACL injury, I think they're getting him. I mean, I, I have a lot of questions about what the Bengals do, but because yeah, the number one goal, the Bengals doing that. Okay. This is right. What I was going to ask. I could see that you're going there. Protection the for Joe or weapon yes. for Joe. You got to go protection. You got to protect the guy you invested. Oh, in, I man. mean, I don't know. It's so tough because Kyle it, Pitts. Pitt, Kyle Pitts could be there. Kyle Pitts would be a great pick there. I mean, they, they've had some history with, you know, a tight end. You could also go with another wide receiver, um, you know, because I think Devontae Smith's going to fall to them. But I also think that offensive tackle from uh, Oregon's going to fall fall to them because of the See, run on the quarterbacks. And, and you know, I just – no, go ahead. Uh, yeah, sorry, man. This is the one that I found interesting because there's – been all this talk about how there's never been a mm-hmm. duo from uh, a quarterback wide receiver duo from college to go in the NFL. So everybody's saying like, Oh, yeah. for sure. Oh, like if they, if they were going to get him a weapon, it'd have to be Jamar chase to so that. I would say that's so stupid. Like it's a completely different, uh, different play yeah. now. Like they're not in college anymore. You know, like it's cool. Yeah. We were buddies in college and we threw, or I, I threw to you and this and that, like, but, and there's some chemistry there, but that's college level chemistry. That's not NFL level chemistry. Yeah. You have to completely re- rebuild that with any weapon that you're going to have. So why would you take Jamar Chase, who is a huge talent and is going to be great on a team, uh, I believe, 
But why would you, if, if you could go for Kyle Pitts, I think that it would be very foolish to go with Jamar Chase over a generational talent like Kyle Pitts um, yeah. simply based off the fact that there's a college level chemistry. So no protection for Joe Burrow then? I struggle with this one. Yeah. Because it's so much fun to watch offensive weapons be drafted. <laughs> Oh, it's yeah. so much more fun. So yes, it is a boring pick. I was uh, messaging with a friend earlier this week and said the same thing. I was like, this is my problem. Every single time I, you know, I get ready for the draft with the lions. I look into it and I'm like, okay, yeah, we need a linebacker. Okay. Yeah. We need defensive line. Let's get Micah Parsons. But then as the draft gets closer, I'm like freaking Justin Fields, let's do it. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's because it's so much more fun. So that's yeah. what I'm, I think for the Bengals. Uh, I agree. I think that the wide receiver depth, is deep enough in this draft to where you'd still be able to get some solid weapons. You probably need to go with uh, some protection for Burrow. So yeah. he doesn't get his head separated from his body for a second season in a row. Yeah. I think actually the last two drafts, this draft and the draft before there have been just tr- tremendous depth at wide receiver that you can go into the second and third round and pick a, pick a wide receiver and still get a high quality player for sure. Right. And what's interesting about that is I've heard it talked about somewhat and there's been some back and forth on different networks that I've watched Mm -hmm. or depending on the show or um, who's, you know, who's speaking, obviously everybody has different opinions, but it seems like the footwork drills and the things that are coming out of young wide receivers now might just be Mm -hmm. like a step above what has been in the past. So there are just more, uh, more guys coming out of college that are NFL ready because they've been studying, they've been working on the the footwork from the greats uh, for so mm-hmm. long. Like you can look off of who do you want to be like, you know, like Kyle Pitts, everybody, you know, compares that he's a very large man compared being compared to mm-hmm. Calvin Johnson. So if he wants to play like Calvin Johnson and have that be his style, he can be looking at that, uh, looking at the footwork, looking at the fundamentals of him and stuff like that and studying that from such a young age. Now, as it progresses, it just seems like due to that, I think that there are just more wide receivers who are NFL ready. And that's why there's so much more depth. All right. What's uh, what do you got for a comeback player? Comeback player. Yeah. I'm sticking with a theme here. I feel, I feel bad doing, uh, doing two in a row like this and definitely picking with my fandom here, but Going, you know, Dak, Barkley, McCaffrey would be too easy. I'm still going to yeah. stick with uh, – I'm sticking with Stafford. Uh, some may not call that a comeback player, but he did have injuries this past season. The season before this, he had injuries as well. He has not been playing at the elite level we've seen him in the past. Uh, I And from a Lions fan who's watched all the games, I can mm-hmm. say that the past couple seasons – you have been able to see a difference in Stafford. So if mm-hmm. he is going to go to the Rams and ball out, like I really think that he is going to thrive in this McVay offense. I think that it would definitely be considered a comeback for Stafford um, given the situation that he's had in the past. Very, very bold pick, very bold pick, but also not, uh, uh, not, not a bad one at all. Uh, I think it will be incredibly interesting to see how he does out in LA you know, I was just thinking it'd be incredibly interesting just to play the other side of this. If he goes out to LA and they can't function and they can't move the ball on offense, I don't think that's going to happen, but I, oh. I think it would be, what, what do the, what do the Rams do in, in that case? I think that'd be incredibly interesting to, to see, uh, just see kind of how it plays out. But I mean, I don't think that's going to happen that would at be all. And I think it's honestly, you know, it's not an obvious pick, but it, it's a, it's a very good pick. Uh, so I, I like it a lot. Um, okay, let's go with uh, what team do you think will kind of be a be a breakout team, a rising team? Yeah, so for our rising teams, we're choosing teams that are that missed the playoffs last year that we think could make the playoffs or go for a Super Bowl run potentially. My team, I don't necessarily think uh, could make a Super Bowl run. Uh, but I definitely see them taking that next step as a rising team. Like what we've titled this, I'm sticking, I'm going with the chargers. 
Yeah, I think what that, a great pick. Yeah, I think with the new additions and the coaching staff and Herbert. Now, I do have a bold prediction with Herbert, though, that I think Herbert will take a step backwards mm -hmm. because of the spotlight now coming to the sophomore slump. I would love to see him do great, but the logical side of me is saying, I think that there's going to be some controversy with controversial uh controversy so i said it right the first time yeah with justin herbert this year um with is he really as great as we thought he was just because he had such a dominant rookie year um i think that there might be some uh some light put on him this next year some expectations that are a little too high um so i definitely see yeah. herbert taking a step back but ultimately if you win games can you really complain and i see the chargers winning way more games than they won last year Yes, I, I completely agree. I think that the Chargers are definitely going to be a breakout team. I think that Justin Herbert's going to step up, and I think he's going to play. He's going to play well. I mean, he was remember he was thrown into that game literally against the Kansas City Chiefs for his first start. Like, and, and almost that was in almost one against the well. What we later found out was the AFC champion, uh, NFC Chiefs, or I mean uh, Kansas City Chiefs, and you know it's. It, it was crazy. And I think he, because he was thrown in like he was, he, you know, wasn't stressed out about it, wasn't prepared. He had to go and play football. And sure enough, he did a phenomenal job. He had a great season. You couldn't take that starting job away from him. And I think, uh, honestly, uh, Tyrod Taylor is going to be the starter down in Houston. So he, he still kind of comes out ahead of this. And I like that he, I like that the team committed to him. And I like that Anthony Lynn committed to him. I think that was a, re a really, really great. As far as my uh, team that I chose, you probably all are going to laugh at me for this, but I think the Philadelphia Eagles. I think that Ooh. with, I know, I, I, I know. I think that, you know, they, they have a new head coach. They have a new quarterback who I honestly never thought those words would come out of my mouth. A new head coach, a new head, uh, and new quarterback so short after winning the Super Bowl. And, um, you know, I think that I think Jalen Hurts is going to ball out. I, I really do. I know we get a little small sample size, but I think he's going to be I don't want to say the next Lamar Jackson, but I think he's going to kind of follow that trajectory. And, you know, I think that he's going to he's going to play really well and defenses are going to struggle to to defend him. And I, I don't know. There's just something about the Eagles. I think that division is still kind of weak. We don't know what Dak's going to look like now that he's uh, coming back off the injury. Still quarterback questions out of Washington in New York is, you know, the New York Giants. So I think uh, I think that division is up for grabs. I mean, their winner was under 500 last year. And, uh, you know, I, I think there's tremendous opportunity. And I think that uh, they are going to be uh, a real team to contend with, for sure. Yeah, interesting enough, I just watched – Jalen Hurts first game uh, against the Saints I, I watched that last night it was on the NFL Network I was mm -hmm. bored I watched the game and yeah that dude was balling like yeah it, it was you know a little earlier in the season so it's not as talked about you know he didn't have as great of a season uh, like that game was phenomenal and then it kind of yeah. stepped down but I think with a full offseason I, I like that pick too I think that he will take that step forward he's a dominant runner uh he mm -hmm. would be showing he's shown that you know he can run he can throw the ball too um yeah I, I i like that pick a lot yeah yeah absolutely all right so next section favorite free agent signing Ooh, favorite free agent this one was a tough one because there was some good there was Very some good tough. stuff this year um I chose to go in a different direction because I already picked Stafford for a comeback player. And I was still a little salty about that too, because it was a good free agent signing, but it took him away from my team. So uh, some salt left there, but I'm going to go with JJ Watt. I think that this was a huge mm -hmm. signing by the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, they've kind of put their cards on the table of, Hey, like we want to go on a run right now too. Like, we want to go on that yeah. Super Bowl run. We're not, we're not trying to, you know, build slowly or anything. Like we're going, let's do it. Uh, Kyler Murray's still on his uh, rookie contract. Let's try to get one of these in while we can still bring in big name players like JJ Watt. Yeah. 
and I think that was kind of the first that was that was one of the first major signings this free agency. So yeah. it kind of set the tone for everything. Definitely set the tone for Arizona. And now you know they're still making signings uh, mm-hmm. like that. They just signed James Connor. James Connor. Um, yeah, today. Yeah. So uh, I really on, love on that by down. them. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I'm it. surprised Connor sat on the market this long. I thought for sure he would have been signed like almost shortly after free agency opened. And I thought he was going to re go back to Pittsburgh, but uh, really, I, I think that's a great about this. Cause who do you, who... I might be really in the wrong here. You might feel completely differently. Mm-hmm. A lot, a lot of people might feel completely differently, but is um, Edwards or Ch- Edmonds, Edmonds and Connor, really that much better than drake no and Connor exactly no. so i see a lot of people talking about oh this is such a great signing and it's like to me like connor's and uh and drake are like the same tier like you're not making a real big upgrade there you're just making a yeah. change they're yeah. both good running backs who are injury prone like yeah I wouldn't put one up. I would have a really hard time putting one above the other. So I, I don't know with that signing. It's, it's good for them that they are still making signs like that with letting Drake go. Yeah. They needed to bring in another one. I don't think that chase Edmonds would be able to be the solo back. So I think it was a smart sign to get another running back in. I think it, I think it would have been a better option to draft one of uh, the stud Travis Etienne. Uh, potentially, yeah, or something like that. I think that that would have been better, personally. But yeah, I, for I, James, I Connor, agree. He gets another chance. They're building. Yeah. They're building a solid team. Other than their running backs, is how I feel. Honestly, like I don't think that that's a very strong running back core. Yeah, you're absolutely you're absolutely right, and it will be interesting to see how that plays out. I think JJ Watt was a to get back to the original question uh, was a, a really really good signing for them you know, bolster up that defense. He is a little bit on the older side. He brings that, you know, NFL experience. And I think it will be interesting to see, assuming that he can stay healthy. Uh, Obviously, he's had numerous number of injuries throughout his career. Uh, But assuming he can stay healthy, he uh, will will be great for that defense. And it'll be be a joy to watch. I mean, the defenses and offenses in that division are just ridiculous. It's probably one of the best divisions in football. the NFC West. I mean, you've got the Rams, 49ers, we're going to win it. And now the yeah. Rams going to win it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But you but know, it, it's what just popped into my head as we're talking mm-hmm. about, you know, Oh, JJ Watt injury prone, a little bit and stuff like that. It seems like that's the case with a lot of the Cardinals to yeah. be honest. Like it seems like the Cardinals are going to be in my, in, in my opinion, they could easily be this year's 49ers because yeah. there's a lot of injury risk there, especially with having Absolutely. Uh, Connors. Now Murray, he runs a ton and that's not yeah. sustainable uh, all the time. You've got Deandre Hopkins. Who's a getting a little bit older now, JJ Watts injury. Point. Yeah. Like a lot of your star players are injury prone. So that's uh, a little bit of a risk there, but ultimately I, I do see them doing well. I think that they'll, uh, have yep. a decent showing this year, but what what about you, Mel? What was your favorite free agent signing? I have a feeling it's going to be one of the many Tampa Bay signings that happened this year, but maybe you'll surprise me. What is it? Well, I, I will say this. Uh, I was a big fan of everything that New England did. I never thought I'd ever say those words, but um, I, was, I was really pleased with what New England did. That's not my pick, but I, I think they deserve a shout-out for spending all that money, and they, uh, they got some players that they needed to, to bolster and help Cam Newton. With that being said, uh, I think the, um, my favorite free agent signing has to be, has to be Levante David uh, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to get that leader back in the building. You know, he, he, we drafted him out of Nebraska, you know, he, he, I mean, he, he's just the leader, the leader of that football team uh, on the defensive side of the ball and has been for, for many years. He's been there when we were absolute garbage. You know, when we had the first overall pick, he was there before that. 
And, you know, it's just, just to see him lead that and play amazing football week in and week out, you know, I, I, that, that has to be hands down my favorite uh, free agent signing. If there was, and it was always, you know, I said this to Langley a lot was that if there was one player, if I could, I could lose every other player that was a free agent on our team, but if I could keep one, uh, it had to be Levante David because he, wow. he's by far my favorite for sure. Okay, I get maybe maybe I wasn't given enough credit to him. No, he he, he was the, the leader signings, of that defense. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, very good pick. But with you mentioning the Patriots now too, I have to ask, what do you think? Because uh, I have my own opinion on it. What do you think would be John's favorite free agent? So now that we we don't oh, like to geez. speak for each other very often, but yeah. let's have a little bit of fun with it. Um, what do you think? And maybe when John's back next week. Uh, he yeah. can tell us if we're right or wrong. But what do you think is John's favorite uh, free agent signing? Well, I can tell you it's not a Cam Noon, uh, but I think it's... I think that's my favorite free agent signing moment of the offseason yeah. oh, is when they yeah. signed him and we got to see John's reaction. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that was great. He went ballistic. Um, I've got to say, he, he'll either say Johnu Smith or Hunter Henry, I think. I think it's very close. Probably Hunter Henry. He really likes Hunter Henry. Um, yeah. I mean, 100% it would be a, a, a Patriot sign. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. Uh, I think that he might go a little more hipster with it. You know, mm -hmm. I was I was cool before it was cool and go with Kyle Vinoy just because yeah. they got he him back. Much. They're like – he's getting money from the dolphins to play for the yeah. Patriots. Plus they get the comp, uh, the pick or whatever. Like, yeah, I could see him picking uh Carl Vinoy, but yeah, ultimately uh, really big free agency for both the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the new England Patriots. So that's really cool for both of you guys. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, the lines got golf. So, you know, huge free agency for us as well. Yeah. But uh, moving, moving forward, uh, wrapping up the episode here. Yes. Mello, what do you got? I want you to lead us off this week. What do you got? Yeah, so for this week, obviously, going on right this second, if you were to watch the video of this, I'm wearing a PSG shirt, Paris Saint-Germain, who's my favorite football team, uh, or football when I say soccer. Uh, and they are playing against Bayern Munich, a rematch of last year's Champions League final right now. And it's 1-0 Bayern tied 3-3 in aggregate in the uh, 91st minute in stoppage time uh, for them to advance. Usually PSG blows these moments. Um, and it's, it's crazy. If you haven't had a chance to look at the Champions League, it is something that you should watch because it is absolutely phenomenal football. It's where basically the top teams in all of Europe play each other. Uh, and it's a huge competition. And so uh, overall, it's uh, really, really good. PSG's up right now, um, and I am very nervous, and I've been watching pretty much this entire time. Uh, that's why I had that reaction probably did they, about 10 Yeah, I was about ago. to say, did they score about eight and a half minutes ago? Because I, <laughs> <No. laughs> I didn't want to stop what I was saying. I was in the middle of saying something, and I see Melo's arms throw up in there. Oh! <laughs> He's so no, they had a quietly. goal, but he was, he was ruled offside, so. Oh, uh, I, okay. I was, oh, so you oh, thought they were about to go up by two. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and that would so, be big. Yeah. So uh, very, very tense moments here, uh, but we're watching very closely. And that's what I've got this week. What do you got for us, Kelly? Yeah. Real quick before I do my water, you got, I wanted to point out from last week, I talked about Justin Fields during our debate. I did have uh, one mention of false information. I wanted to set the record straight. I said twice on the podcast that the AIQ test that's given out to athletes from it's from dr goldman if you want to look it up yourself it's called the aiq the athletic intelligence quotient i believe i said that there were sixty-five thousand athletes that had taken that test. there are 6500 athletes who have taken that test i wanted to set the record straight uh if you have not looked that up yet i highly suggest that you do i think that it needs to be being talked about more uh leading up to the draft uh there's been a lot of negative talk about Justin Fields. I think that that test, along with many other things, uh, should be being talked about. But it seems like the media spin on it right now is to depreciate his uh, draft stock, which is draft value. So in my opinion, the Atlanta he falls to the Atlanta Falcons at four. Yeah, I 
ridiculous but we're going to be talking about that next week with our draft mm-hmm. predictions uh we want to do some bold predictions for the draft have some fun with it and different things so we'll talk about that more next week but for this week my what do you got i want to talk about uh jamal murray and steph curry so last night i uh, nuggets played the warriors huge moment steph curry uh, uh passed wilt chamberlain for the franchise scoring leader. Uh, Congratulations to Steph. In my opinion, he is the best point guard uh, in the NBA right now and potentially of all time. I absolutely love Steph. What an amazing person in general and shooter, basketball player, the man. So congratulations to him. Huge deal. Then, of course, end of the game, just terrible turn of events, 50 seconds left on the clock. Uh, Jamal Murray's driving in for a layup, steps awkwardly, yeah. throws his knee to the side. It's come out now that he's torn his ACL. He was just in absolute agony. It was so tough to watch. So uh, thoughts and prayers to him. We wish him a speedy recovery and uh, hope to see him back on the court as soon as possible. Um but that is what I got. Are you guys up 2 nil? No, but we won. So that's all that matters. Oh, let's we have go. Through Congrats. To the semifinals. Yes. Heck yes. What a so way to we'll end the play, pod. Yes. So now we'll either play Manchester City or uh, Borussia Dortmund. Oh, you're so, screwed. Oh, we're so screwed. But that's okay. <laughs> we, we got past Bayern. So, you know. Let's go. Uh, let's go indeed. Well, what an excellent podcast. What a way to end. Uh but can't, couldn't agree more with uh, Steph Curry. You know, he he really transcends the game of basketball, and it's it's great to see. And uh, Jamal Murray, hopefully, will be able to come back next year and uh, be even stronger than he was uh, this year and Absolutely. Uh, continue to play. Well, that's it for episode 28 of the Mildly Athletic Podcast. We hope you guys have a good week, and we will see you next week with a uh, draft-heavy prediction since we're almost, what, two weeks away from the draft now? Oh, it's getting close. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's getting, it's getting, getting close. very close. All right. Once again, this is the Mildly Athletic Podcast.